As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I'm excited to have you all here for today's discussion around building safe and healthy spaces for our teams and organizations as we look into the future. I am joined by Kelly Kolar, president and founder of Kolar Design and the Kolar Experience Institute. Kelly has spent the last 30 years building the right space, safe places, healthy environments for organizations and nonprofits around the world. Kelly is going to be receiving an honorary doctorate of humane letters from with Mount St. Joe. And Kelly is a faculty member, a dear friend of myself and our organization. Kelly, it's an honor to have you on our faculty and team. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. So great to be here to share with you everything we've been working on since the pandemic hit, right? Yeah, it's been an incredible experience. I think you and I early were uh, already talking about how will this impact our customers? How will this impact people for decades to come based on the experiences that we've learned? And very excited to kind of unpack that with you as we roll into uh, this discussion. So we're going to get into the intersection of people, process, and place and discuss the role of the future of space and what many people are thinking about as they evaluate the coming months and the future of what we've learned from all of this experience of being remote and for many. So let's get right into this, Kelly. What are you seeing? What is the data showing? I'd love for you to share kind of the data component of what you're doing with all of this, which I think will pique the listener's interest. That's great, Mike. Thanks so much for that nice introduction. You know, we started right away out wanting to understand the impact of COVID. And you either are in one of two places. You're either seeing all of the problems or you're seeing all of the possibilities. And so we right away saw that within our lifetime, this is an innovation platform time for us to reinvent and renew how we've been working, not only looking in the past, but we can learn from that. But most importantly, How do we want to build successfully now in the future? And so at the Institute, we launched the Institute in April, and that's when you and I connected with the Talent Magnet Institute, because we really wanted to understand and research and study and gain insights, focusing on that exploration of those intersections of what happens and what's happening now in the new pandemic-induced environment. We know that, you know, this intersection of people, process, and place can create positive outcomes for businesses and for communities. And the data that we launched, the study that we launched, of course, has now been a longitudinal study. And we're looking at whether you worked through the storm in the initial first 100 days, or, you know, you've been working now 100% remote, or you're working in a hybrid situation with like an AB type return to workplace. Every business is in a different place. And some people have now converted 100% remote, like they'll never be coming back. At least well, and some departments, entire departments are now going to be 100% remote forever. So definitely, there's been a huge pivot and a huge paradigm shift. 
And I call it the tectonic shift because not only did we technologically completely change and advance, but we've also now, with the advent of technology, had to jump and leap into the future with using platforms like what we're doing today with Zoom, but also how are we conducting business differently? All of us had to convert 100% our businesses. And I don't think we're ever going back. So when we hear that people are not going back and people are going to have certain functions that are 100% remote, what does that do to space? How are people converting? Does that mean I'm getting rid of everything or does that mean I'm converting space to be a different type of experience for the employee and our um, guests? So I think it depends. With some of the master service agreements that we have in place with our corporate workplace, definitely there is already, we're already seeing a huge glut of sublease space. People have realized I don't need this space anymore. I've proven I can deliver payroll 100% remote or I can now do all of my outsourced HR 100% remote. I no longer have to have people connected every day coming into work. And also what the data is telling us that things are also very, very different. So people are either 100%, as I mentioned, giving up workspace or they're converting their existing space to be more of a hub and spoke model. So we're seeing and working with clients right now on the constriction of space, but also the repurposing and reimagining of space because now they want to use their space differently. Yes, people are going to be working remote. Yes, there's going to be major changes. And what we start to realize around well-being and safety is that, you know, what does well-being really matter for you and your business? And we're finding that, you know, people, the definition actually is people will be thriving within not only their life, but also within their business life. And companies with thriving employees will also do better in business. That's what why well-being matters so much. And there's been a recent McKinsey study about, you know, how does well-being actually impact us in our business and how does space play a role in that? So obviously, you know, from an employee standpoint, there's different risk factors. And the Talent Magnet Institute is so focused on this. If you're coaching your mindset shift, your behavior shift, your values, your vision. How do you bring all those things to life within your team? There's risk of illness and disease. There's immune system functions that start to get digressed when they're under stress or when there's not a good well-being environment. What's the recovery time from an impact event? What's the longevity of their life? And then how does that directly relate to business? Well, if your employees are unhealthy, have well-being, mental, and physical health issues, your business is going to be a reflection of that. You'll start, to, you'll start to see increased absenteeism. You'll start to see higher turnover. You'll start to see loss of productivity. And while the pandemic hit, and we started to study a lot of these factors of well-being and safety in a remote as well as in a hybrid and or on-site environment, our data is showing us now that we know that it's not a sprint. Everyone hoped this would be over in 100 days. But now we're in for a marathon. So how do you build better employee engagement? How do you do that technology shift? to embrace technology and incorporate it into your daily practice? And then how do you repurpose your space so you can reduce cost, maximize the efficiency and the effectiveness of space, and really use it as a business driver? And so one of the things we're seeing for sure, the top three things that we've learned in our study, and I invite everyone to log in to the colarexperienceinstitute.com and take our companies, take our company survey or use that survey or contact us as a free gift to incorporate it into your business because the more people we have in the study, the, the stronger our data is. And we're seeing a big change. Where we were in April is different than where we are in October. The number one thing that we're seeing is that the burnout risk is very, very high right now. 
Number two, people are feeling isolated and we're seeing that impact with the 100% remote environment. And number three is that change is inevitable. One thing for sure we know is that change is a given. So on the burnout risk, 87.5% of employees are actually reporting and recording higher stress and anxiety, either increased or significantly increased on a scale of one to five. That's a huge number, Mike. And more importantly, what is it that's causing that increased stress, right? Are people providing that, Kelly, of what's causing it? Yeah, we're getting into kind of the underlying factors. We're finding that there's like eight underlying factors. Obviously, job security is the number one. You know, I don't even know what the number is today of how many millions of people are at work. Different sectors of different industries are obviously hit more than others. Hospitality and hotel industry significantly impacted the restaurant bar situation, the vibrancy of our cities and our communities significantly impacted. Obviously, aviation, they're saying it's going to take 10 years for aviation to turn back to the vibrancy that it was. So job security, depending upon what area of work you're in, is one of the number one pieces. Societal pressures. So the civil unrest and the events of George Floyd's murder on May 25th, and then the lowering of the water, kind of I see it in the pool, of what that revealed, the inequities that we have in disparities in different parts of our communities. That's also impacting our small businesses and the success of our small minority and women-owned businesses. So, you know, each one of these things has a domino effect in the ecosystem. The burnout factor is real. I know we're seeing it even within our own company. Yeah, we've talked a lot about that, about leaders really thinking about making sure that people feel okay to take a break because there is actually fear if I take a break, what's that going to mean? Am I going to feel, you know, be lesser or all of that? Like we can, there's a real fear going on there. There's so much work to be done. Yeah. And we need to, this whole mental health thing is real and we all need to address it ourselves personally and those that we influence that we have on our teams and in our organizations. So number two, you talked about people feeling isolated. Yeah. How do we unpack that? What does that mean? Is it because they're at home? Is it because they can't interact like we once did in our normal work settings? Yeah, so it's coming across in a couple of ways. 38% of employees today in our survey are not satisfied with the team and culture building of remote work during the COVID-19 environment. So that's a pretty significant amount that's, you know, we're we're popping out almost at 40%, not satisfied. And we think everyone's happy working remote because they're working from home, but they're not because it's impacting their culture and their connectivity with their coworkers and with their leadership. And within the organization, department to department, there's a breakdown in that. And so people are feeling isolated and uncertain. Some are showing dissatisfaction with team and culture building because you just can't do everything 100% remote. How do we solve that? How do we build that? What do you need to do as a leader to level up in your business and go to the next level? The next thing that we're seeing is challenges with training and mentorship. This knowledge transfer, you know, the boomers are exiting faster than ever from the workforce. And how do you, and I know we're experiencing this in our own company with my new hires and my younger workforce that's coming in, in kind of a skip mentorship type of program. How do we ensure that they're still learning and on track? And with the boomers leaving and exiting so fast, we're seeing a big knowledge transfer gap. 
And so people are feeling isolated that I no longer have my senior leadership. All the work is dumped on me now. How am I supposed to learn? And how am I supposed to continue to be successful? So those are just some of the factors that we're seeing. Gallup actually did a poll too that is so critical that workers who know someone that cares about them within the organization allows them to do better work. So I think some of the answers that we're seeing around the isolation is that it's so important for that social connectivity. In fact, Boston Consulting had an employees who reported satisfaction with social connectivity within their colleagues are two to three times higher to be maintained or have increased productivity. So here we are now, we're in an isolation environment where everyone's remote or at least partially remote. What do you need to do to create collaborative opportunities? What new technologies can you bring in? What new ways of working can you do as a leader, as a manager, and also as an employee to create that next connectivity? So it's really put a lot of pressure, Mike, on businesses to build a pipeline of communication, communication, and communication. Yeah, we've talked a lot, Kelly, with our listeners and with individuals participating in various activities that we've been leading here at the Institute that showing respect, actively listening, ensuring you're providing an opportunity for your people to know that their work matters, and then empowering your employees to go through their own change, challenge, and growth during this time and listening to what they need, right? To your point, I mean, there are some cultures that have been remote for decades. Now, many are learning how and learning what hybrid looks like and not just hybrid at work, but hybrid at home, right? Because if you have, you know, school-age children, you have elderly parents right now, there's so many stressors on individuals. And we, the leaders, we, the people who people look to and employ others, we need to be paying attention to this stuff. I know that our listeners know that, but you need to execute against it. And here it is showing up in data that's yeah. looking at place. And I'm excited to get to, I'm going to go through the next one around changes inevitable, but getting to like, what are some of the ways we can use place to right. meet these needs, right? Because we all think physical space, we all show up and convene, that's changing. But before we do that, number three, the change is inevitable. Yeah. Are there any areas there that you would like to unpack? So what we've learned, obviously, is that the pandemic saw significant change and shifts in home, in school, in work-life balance and integration. So now everything is life and we're all connected now through technology almost 24-7. And so this amount of change, what does that mean to your employees and what does that mean to your team? Employees are expecting more change to come. None of them, 89% of people do not believe that we will ever return to the way we were pre-pandemic. Mm. So that's pretty much almost 89%. 89% of employees are expecting that work life and work will not return to normal or business as usual. Wow. That's what our data says. So what we're realizing is that change also can be positive, right? It can be negative. We kind of got through that initial shock and the uncertainty where we were back in April, where the information was changing daily. Now that we're in, again, the marathon, not the sprint, how can change be positive? How can we actually embrace this? And what's the role that space plays in that? So when you look at the societal sides of things and the social aspects of it, especially for your Gen Z and your millennial employees, 
social contacts is so critical to their success that they feel that they've socially got their friends at work and that they're connected to their boss and that there's a whole different level of relationship. So how do you do that in the digital and physical? I call it the physidige now. How do we link physical and digital together? Okay. Because that's going to be one of the changes that we're going to start to see a lot more of. This is going to be an advent and we're going to see all kinds of new products and all kinds of new places and all kinds of new technologies that are going to come out that are going to be around connectivity and socialization, building new social norms, building new rituals, building new ways of building relationships, kind of like how we are even today, but we're still here kind of limited with the camera. So I think we've learned that one size does not fit all. Mm. There's a wide spectrum of realities depending upon your business and your needs. Some are comfortable with the new normal. They actually like it better. No commute time. I don't have to get dressed up every day. I'm saving money. I'm saving time. I can actually get away from my desk and actually take a walk on a break and yeah. still get my work done. Or better, I can take care of my home life and I can work when I need to. As long as I'm meeting the milestones and I'm working with my team successfully, you know, there's a lot of benefits that people are experiencing as well on a personal family health perspective. And so it's going to be up to us from business leadership and from business ownership. How do we utilize space differently and how do we build what that future looks like? And so this shifts and perception and openness to remote work is the first big uncertainty that's happened. Yeah. Now that we're all kind of settling in, we're seeing some companies like Procter & Gamble, like Scripps, you know, even here locally, what changes are they making? When, when, is their remote, when is their workforce returning to work or not? Or seeing leaders like Fifth Third that already announced that they will return to work in their workforce. And obviously, a lot of this is, is health-induced. So every business is going to go through either a restriction or a constriction. I mean, probably an expansion or a constriction of their space yeah, or a rethinking of their current space mm. because of the needs of the business have changed. And so that's a big piece. One of the things that you, you have experience working with organizations in Geneva and Singapore and Bangkok and India, I know, I believe you, you have a business in Singapore uh, called Brandspace. that you're co-owners of. Are there any nations leading this discussion? I know it's fairly new, but how are you seeing nations transform and pivot quickly that we can learn from? Is it the same as everybody going through this exact same thing together? How would you define what's happening in the global pandemic? So around workplace specifically, Mike, we are working with a WBCSD organization, World Global Sustainability Organization, that has about 220 members. So a lot of the large corporations like Eaton, et cetera, are all members of this around global sustainability, not only in the work that they do and the delivery of the work they do as corporations, but also now they're starting to look at workplace of the future. So we're actually designing their offices. There's an NGO headquartered in Geneva. And we've gone through, again, the same study, the same research methodology that I mentioned on our institute we're using that same piece for them and some of their members now. Because what does workplace the future mean from a sustainability standpoint? How's this going to change? There could be some really positive things that happen. Do we need less space? Is it more technologically enabled? Now I only need to go to the office when I do need that social context that we talked about, right? Yeah. That really important collaboration and connectivity. But now people can work anywhere and can work anytime. So now the workforce can be 100%. It can be in Geneva. It can be in London. It can be in Dubai but then they can still travel for very, very important meetings. And so the way that we use our space 
back to the Fizzadige is going to be very, very different. And we're building, you know, we're going to be using them as a prototype of the future and then working with their partner organizations because we've all seen the images of Beijing during the pandemic, how you can actually see Beijing through the cloud cover, you know, with the reduction in emissions from cars. So I think there is going to be a sustainable pivot of this. There's going to be a lot of good things that will come out of this. And people that are leading the way and thinking about this in a new way, like a WBCSD and an NGO, and some of the thought leaders in these new paradigm shifts are going to be the ones that are going to be setting the new way to think about work. So it's no longer just about per square feet, you know, metrics around per square feet per employee and dollars for furniture and cubicles and technology. Now we need to think about the digital physical and the need for space in a different way. And what are the benefits of the pandemic? So I think we're just now starting to kind of think about those benefits now that we're getting out of the fear-based mode. We're realizing this is just a new way. Now what can we see in that new way? What possibilities are there? So how do you go from problem to possibility? And organizations like, like WBCSC are doing that. And they've got, you know, five offices. And there are places like in India where you can't have six-foot social distancing in workplace. We're really blessed here in America that we've got expansive land and a lot of our office environments can be set up to meet the needs of a pandemic-induced environment. But I also think that allows us now to rethink what space do we need? Do we really need that space? And what's the cost of that space in the business? And how is it actually driving culture and well-being for our people? So I think that's where a lot of the opportunities come right now today. Yeah, and that's the piece that when I listen to all of this data, this is fascinating information and gets you really thinking about culture, team. If we think about our own spaces that we're in today, aren't spaces supposed to be not just a physical place for people to be, but a place for teams to work more effectively and efficiently and feel like they're a part of a team and We define culture of the thousands and thousands of interactions that you have each and every day. So the space is just the convener of those interactions, right? So, you know, when we start thinking about digital platforms, digital use of technology, just use of technology, it's all supposed to be to help us improve our efficiencies, our communications, and our interactions. So this whole disconnect of what people are feeling, technology plays a big part of it. It does how we leverage it, how we maybe make it not sound like it's still just a stepping stone. Like this is kind of the way, you know, we want to use the right things. But again, the innovation around getting back to space is supposed to be about bringing us together, creating connection, creating a trusting environment where we can all thrive and how we leverage our space to do that. Whether half of the people are at home, half of the people are in in a office, social distanced, or, or the space of the future just looks completely different and is utilized different to help us be more efficient. I mean, there are people that say that despite being feeling a little bit more disconnected, because it's just hard to feel as connected, they are being more effective in some areas. Some people certainly say they're being less effective, but there are some that are saying that they're being more effective. So under the hood of all of this, we think of empathy, we think of technology? Are there some tips and resources around, again, one of these is engaging in the Kolar experience, this data that you're collecting is impactful. 
but what can I do about all of this? How can I listen to my people, gain the right perspective, and then help implement for my organization? Yeah, great question. You know, I think the most important thing is empathy-based listening. So utilizing our free survey tool, getting a report back for you and your business, what are your people thinking and feeling? It's one thing to answer it on a survey of just, are they functioning? Are they getting their work done, et cetera, productivity? But as the societal pressures continue and we see that there is stress and anxiety increases, it's important for all leaders and all managers to really lean in and listen first. So how are they feeling about the well-being? Does the company care about me? How are they feeling around safety? Do I feel safe in my workplace? Do I trust my employer? We're seeing some gaps between what leadership is thinking and what the employee is thinking. So leadership thinking, we're fine, we're returning to work, we're going to go back. But then you really listen to what the employees are thinking, and they're not so sure. Depending upon what their extenuating circumstances are, you know, with their own health issues or underlying paradigms inside their family dynamic, there's all kinds of different considerations. And so one major insight as we think about workplace of the future, especially in environments considering mostly remote or hybrid scenarios, is how do you begin to optimize that social connection and that collaborative productivity to build in resiliency? So I think step one is, of course, listen first and do the empathy interviews, understand what's going on inside your your paradigm shift. Two, start to put programs in place that allow for that resiliency of understanding the mind, body, and spirit and well-being support you can give to your team to drive your culture and understanding the link between your culture, your connectivity, and your communication platform. And then three, around your values, how can you begin to change behaviors by using technology, using new platforms to build back in that social fabric of your organization that's so mission critical to building trust? Because at the end of the day, people are what move businesses forward. And if you're not in touch and in the lead with your employees at the center of your business, you will not be successful in sustaining and building resiliency long-term into your company. And so at the end of the day, it all starts with people, which is why I love so much being a part of the Talent Magnet Institute, because it's really mission critical right now, more than ever before, that we as leaders listen and understand. And then, of course, the physidig, again, back to the physical digital, how do we use and design programs, processes, and place to support our people? to get that, again, that great business lift. So pretty simple if you think about it, really. Yeah. And one of the many reasons, but the the major reason for the connection with our two organizations and with you as one of our faculty is I do, hearing you in conversations, I do think there's a gap for most leaders not connecting the power and the impact and the unlocking potential of how space convenes and brings people together, right? And we know, you know, we talk often, like all of us have seen the personal quotes around, you know, the best things that happen in our family happen around the dinner table, happen around convening, happen around conversation. Yeah, breaking bread. Being together and breaking bread. And many organizations, it's more than just having a space right? And getting people to think, how does my culture, what does my space say about my values? I know you and I have talked about 
we walk into some environments and go, I hear what all's on the wall and what you say that you want to be, but your space doesn't define it at all, right? I've also been in places that you've designed, large industrial manufacturers, large healthcare systems that from the time I get out of my car, I'm in an experience. And you can feel the values. You can feel the mission of the organization creating highly effective, safe, healthy environments for people, both customer and and guest, as well as team and organizational leaders. Can you just share with us a little bit, I ask the question, if I'm a leader that's like, you know, I, I understand but our space has been the same for the last 20 years yeah. and we certainly aren't going to invest in it. Right. And I don't think it really helps me create a better culture. Right. My space is just space. Kelly, how does that make you feel? What would you share with me to get me thinking differently? Well, you know, of course, as I said before, it's all about your people, right? I want to move your business forward. And so how is space a tool? Think of it just like your cell phone or your laptop. Space is a tool. It should be measured against that same success as well. So what are your KPIs around space? How much are you investing? How much is it costing you? And how is it actually enabling a better outcome for your people? Beyond the aesthetics, Mike, and we talked a little bit about the brand, but at the end of the day, the genus loci, the sense of spirit or soul of your space, of your organization resides at that intersection of people, process, and place. And how do you discover that secret sauce that makes your business drive forward? And a lot of us, of course, that are in business are doing this every day. We just happen to be experts in linking brand and space together because we know that it's a tool. So if you're in a hospital environment, it's healing space, they've had to work through the storm. There is no remote work there. Obviously, some of their office workers can work remote. Some of the functions can be remote. Telemedicine is huge now on the rise. And we're going to see a lot of advent of that, of of remote working and connectedness that way. But we still have the need to go to the hospital, to have an exam, to have our appointments and take care of our families and our health. So those institutions, the role of space is very, very important for them. And as you mentioned, from the moment you come off the highway into the hallways of the organization, it's going to be kind of mission critical that the brand is connected all the way through. And that you continue to listen, have it be safe, and make sure that the space feels on brand with who you are in your organization. And that's where we've really started to get into measuring the qualitative or the emotional intelligence of space. Not only how does it tell a story, how does it aesthetically and function from a design and architecture standpoint, but most importantly, how does it feel that it's on brand and how does it create the right intersection for your people to be able to do their best work? We've seen direct correlations between the types of work that you need and the space provided and complete disconnects around the value. As you said, sometimes you might say one thing, but the way you reflect it in the investment of your space for your people is different. Those are the places that need to create alignment so that they can get more resiliency built into their business. And then how do they use technology as a tool to enable that better outcome? So hospitals are different than corporate offices, are different than academia environments where you're welcoming a student for the first time. So depending upon what type of business you're in, really, really mission critical that you align the needs of the user, either the patient family, as well as the staff, or in a, like a financial services institution. And we're doing a large study right now in Chicago with a financial um, services institution about wanting to, be, wanting to be the bank for the community and the community's bank of choice. 
how do you build relationships with the community by becoming a pillar of the community? And how does space and your physical face representing yourself inside that urban corridor or inside that community bank, how do you actually become part of the community? And how does the space and the physical place become a part of that? So those are the kinds of ways, if you think of space as a tool, just like your iPhone or just like your laptop, it's a tool for you to drive better outcomes, but you've got to know what to measure first. Yeah, and Kelly, there are going to be brands. I know we're starting to see even commercials change, right? Commercials yeah, right. are changing the current. There's going to be brands that completely shift how their space is utilized. Yeah. And what well, we're thinking. encouraging all of us is yeah. to think about this, right? How do we set up ourselves for success? How do we align to values? How do we align to culture? How do we communicate what we are all about? And how do we provide the best environment for our customers and our teams? And Kelly, you've mentioned digital quite a bit. Any thoughts that we can provide our audience today on tools and tech that you have heard that people are utilizing to create better collaboration? I know in our company, we're using Miro quite a bit as a collaborative tool. So since we run design thinking and all of our work as workshops, we've had to completely convert to 100%. Digital. We always did a combination of digital and physical anyway, because a lot of our customers were around the country or around the world. But now we've gone to 100% digital format. And I think you're going to see a lot more new tools coming online that allow for digital interface. The other big thing that I think we're going to see change is the quality of the camera and the recording sound. So just like right now here, you and I are roughly about six or seven feet away from each other even though we're very close to our computers. But the quality of our actual camera and the quality of facial expression, recognition, and the ability to really see closely what's going on, we're going to see a whole new role of technology and laptops and smartphones through the quality of the cameras and the definition. So you can really feel closer to the people versus it being like a TV screen, which is what we have right now. There's some barriers right. in the technology that we have right now. So we're going right. to see a lot of product innovation, microbial everything, back to space change. And then, you know, for us, honestly, the 10 years of research in healthcare around well-being and safety, we already knew, you know, you want to make people feel welcome, give them you know, less stressors, give them back a sense of control, give them a sense of choice allow them to feel a part of the community. Some of these basic human kind of Maslow's needs, mm. hierarchy of needs, are becoming now critical in every workplace paradigm shift. Mm. So for us in business, 50% of our business being in healthcare, I'm so, like for us, it's streamlined and simplified because now everybody cares about well-being and safety. And the pandemic has allowed us to have a much higher message and purpose around the role of space, how you use it, and around the focus of what space does and how it can be used as a tool for you. So I think you're going to see a lot of new product intervention, as I mentioned, and you're going to see lots of new technology and tools that are just going to take us to a whole other level. Yeah, I mentioned, Kelly, when you mentioned you guys were using Miro, M-I-R-O, yeah. as a whiteboarding collaborative tool, our team picked it up as well back in, I think it was March or April, late March, early April. And using tools like Loom for instruction and utilizing digital communication like Slack that our team wasn't using before. I know many are. 
but we weren't using. Now we are, you know, I mean, we've shifted how we're communicating so that you can reach each other real time and not just clog up everyone's inbox. (laughs) Let's get away from no more email. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll put a few of those in the show notes, Miro, Loom, Slack, a few different resources to just help in collaboration. And I know there's many others, which we would love to hear from all of you, what you're using to create real-time connection with your team and what you have found increased productivity as well. So Kelly, thank you so much for joining me today in this dialogue. I'm excited for all of our listeners to learn from your perspectives. Also, I'd love to point people in the right direction again to get some of the data. I think there'll be some real interest in the data. So where should we send them? For information around the survey and the data analytics side, go to um, colardesign.net for getting direct information or white papers or information from us. And if you're also interested in taking the survey and being a part of our, about our data analytics, we'd love to have you go to the colarexperienceinstitute.com. And you can take the survey there and you can also get a customization for your business. Mike, I'll be sure to put those, that information in the notes for you as well. Okay. Terrific, Kelly. Well, thank you again. Thank you for being a part of our team. Thank you for inspiring me to think about the power of space that really unlocks the potential for our people. And I'm excited to be a part of this partnership with us kind of bringing our institutes together to further the world around us and help people connect in more unique and powerful ways. So Kelly, we appreciate you joining us with our audience this week. Thanks so much, Mike. It's been great being here. Take care. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook please communicate by using hashtag talent magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr., Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.